code violation, verbal abuse. Hello, hello. Um, welcome to another episode of Yeah, We Said It. Um, this is our last episode of the season, which is not saying much because we'll be back in just a handful of weeks for 2020. <laughs> um, I'm, you know what? I'm proud of us because this is like a lot of episodes this year. We did much better. We really did. Yeah, for sure. Um, it was rough because we are feeling very Novak right now. We're tired. And um, it's been a long season, but, you know, we're doing what we have to do. Um, how are you feeling this Thanksgiving week? Uh, a little overwhelmed. I got a lot of stuff to do still, but, um, you know, I'm here. I'm, I'm breathing. Mm-hmm. I'll make it through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I, I just, I overslept this morning. I enjoyed my sleep. It was the first time on this break that I got to sleep. So I took a little time. I might not get to sleep tomorrow or any other day probably. Um, anyway, enough about us. <laughs> uh, to the tennis, um, Yelena Ostapenko is being coached by Miriam Bartoli on a trial basis. They, um, they formed a partnership towards the end of the year. Um, also, just congrats to Miriam Bartoli on getting engaged. That's pretty cool too. Um, Ostapenko was 19 and 26 on the year in singles competition and uh, then this partnership began just before the tournament in Lentz where Ostapenko made her first tour final since Miami 2018 she then won Luxembourg her first tournament win since Seoul 2017 so right away some much much improved results for her right at the end of the season right I would, ass- I would assume she should stick with Bartoli for a little bit now, you know, to see how things continue into the new year. I think, um, I never really considered Bartoli to be a coach, but I could see where she could be a really good one. Um, you know, she has all that experience and was, uh, you know, always a great top 15, top 10 player. And then also she has, um, no shade, but she has her dad to look upon as what not to do as a coach. Mm-hmm. So um, I think she would be a good coach. It's pretty cool to see. Um, Kanye Shikori has split with his coach, um, Dante Bottini, after nine years together. I didn't realize that they had been together for nine years, but um, Nishikori's season ended with the U.S. Open because of an arm injury. Um, so we did not see him compete at here at the end of the year. Um, he did not announce any changes to his partnership with Michael Chang, who has also been a part of his team since 2014. I would like to... Um, I don't know. I don't know that it matters. I would like to see it matter, but I don't... Well, for Nisha Corey? Yeah. Yeah, um, I don't... I don't... I mean, I don't think it's a... I don't, 
uh, with Nishikori, I don't see the coaching change as a bad thing. I don't really see it as a great thing either. I think he'll continue to be basically the same player he's been for the past 10 years. Lord. Maybe he's the... Mm. Let's see. I'm trying to figure out someone to equate him with. Maybe he's the Tomas Burdage of his generation. No shade. Yeah. But like, they both make one slam final, so comparable. Yeah, I see it. Um, Sasha Bajan has discontinued his coaching. Well, he did it a couple of weeks, a few weeks ago. Discontinued his re- relationship, coaching relationship with Kiki Lidenvich. Um, she was not too happy about it. She took the social no. media to talk about it. Um, put out a little iOS press release. Um, and then this week, Sasha announced that he is now coaching Yastremska. So, um, I don't really see how those things would be different, but maybe she's paying more money. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. He said he talked after he, uh, you know, they announced that they ended, that he ended his uh, partnership with Kiki. He said, you know, it might, you know, it might seem like a selfish or whatever because he he just felt like it was something he had to do for him and for mm-hmm. I guess for his career and his well being. So, you know, she she I guess she wasn't making the improvements that he needed her to be making this year, and he decided to move on to a younger prospect. Well, uh, Kiki must really be feeling it though because I heard over on the Body Sir podcast that she and team broke up so um she's really i saw something i saw something about that on uh twitter but i had it was in another language so i was like yeah i'm not about to try to translate this i know um wow i'm sorry girl um for real rough year yeah good luck in 2020 um Taylor Townsend, she took to social media to speak her mind on Kamal Murray and his integrity or lack thereof, according to her. This was um, really surprising. You said this to me. And uh, yeah, yeah, I didn't know what was really going on, you know, but he was uh, he was like using her name for like some kind of promotion or something and right. claiming that claiming he was her coach. And I guess this isn't the first time that something like this has happened with him because she, she, you know, was talking about how she was basically tired of it and wasn't going to, you know, put up with it anymore. And right. uh, she, was, she called him deceitful and everything. It was, um, yeah, she, she's pissed. I got the post here. Yeah, let me see. It says, if you know me, then you know that this is not something that I would normally do. But I feel that it's time to set the record straight about Chicago's Kamal Murray of XS Tennis Academy. I can no longer remain silent while he continues to deceive professional players, aspiring players, sponsors, and the tennis community by misrepresenting himself and taking credit for things he has not done. 
Monica Ace, which is Monica Puig, is a recent victim of his deception. I started my tennis with Donald Young Sr. and Ilona Young, who taught me to play tennis from four years old and assisted me in being number one in juniors in the world. From 2010 to August 2013, I trained at the USTA under the instruction of Kathy Rinaldi and briefly Juan Torero. Zena Garrison was my primary coach from September 2013 to March 2015. Zena brought Kamal on board as an assistant coach during that time. I did not go public in the past because I had hoped to resolve this matter directly with Kamal Murray. I will no longer remain silent while he continues his lies and false advertisement. I did not give Kamal consent to use my name and likeness for his ongoing personal and business monetary gain. Kamau is currently stating that he is my coach in promotion of the upcoming USPTA Illinois Mini Conference on November 17, 2019, held at Excess Athletic Club. His latest actions have prompted me to expose his past and ongoing pattern of deceit. If you are a fan of mine, please support me and have my back regarding this matter. In doing this, I am clearing my conscience and telling another piece of my story. Thank you so much. I love you guys. And then, of course, your comment, wow. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah that was a lot yeah i was i was floored seriously floored because especially you know considering uh sloan is one of her good friends and that's you know sloan's right. coach right so for her to for her to you know be at the point where she's you know ready to blast this man like that well more power to her it's kind of crazy um Kim Clijsters, you know, she had announced earlier this year that she was going to come back again in 2020. Um, this time she has stated that she would have to delay her comeback a little bit. So, yeah. Yeah, she something happened with her knee and uh, she should be rehabbing <laughs> her knee in early, throughout the, at the beginning of the year at least. Um, so she won't be back in January for Australia like she planned. And um, I'm not sure if it's, you know, a good sign that, you know, she's blowing her knees out already in practice. You know, but uh, we'll see, you know, how after this rehab goes and, you know, when she comes back, whether it's in the spring or, you know, like for Indian Wells or whether she waits till the clay, whatever. We'll, we'll, we'll see. I'm, um, I'm interested to see how it goes. She was never really one to um, have extended periods of good health anyway yeah and that was in her 20s um i don't know i just whatever she's got going she better get ready because the girl's gonna kill her next year anyway whenever she does come back they're gonna be ready for it this time this ain't 2009 mm-hmm. <laughs> um sarah arani also took to social media uh, venting her frustrations with the Italian tennis fans. Okay, let me try to read this. It's small. <clears throat> Hello, guys. I just want to share some thoughts with you. I just finished my tournament in Asuchon, Paraguay, where I lost in the final. It has been quite a pleasant week on my personal side and quite a tough week tennis-wise. As you know, since when I started again playing tennis in February... I had a lot of problems with my serve, and here in Paraguay, I decided with my team to serve underarm all week. I realize now that during this week, I received not a single critic 
or a complaint from people here. And I've been encouraged and applauded for my resilience and for my desire to find a solution. Even on social network where, where it is always easier, no one from Paraguay sent me anything bad, only positive messages. Instead, in Italy, I keep being insulted by a lot of people regarding mainly my serve. I think I definitely, definitely thought too much in the last years about your comments, insults, and opinions. And now I can't anymore. I won't be able to serve again like normally players do. Maybe I will just serve underarm. If I won't be able to even serve underarm, I will think about something else. If it is not okay for you, send a letter to the WTA asking them to change the rules about serve or ask them to disqualify me for, quote unquote, an awful serve. If instead you just have other problems with me, send a letter to Santa. Bye. <laughs> Santa. <laughs> yeah. So I guess she's just through, you know, she's doing what she what she can do because, you know, it's it's tough out here and she's got to make her coin. So she's not going to stop playing or do what somebody else thinks she should do. She's doing what she can do. And apparently that's the way things are working for her right now with whatever injury she has going on. So I can't knock it. She made it to that final in Paraguay. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, good for her. I don't know. And I mean, this under this underarm serve can't really be that much different from her overarm serve because. The way in that. Go ahead, tell I it. mean, the speed. I or mean, the, the you know lack thereof is it's, it's fine. It is what it is with with uh, Sister Sarah. Exactly. I don't know. I, they they act like she was you know hitting bombs before, and she right. was not. That was not the case. The tennis anti doping program has provisionally suspended Abigail Spears. The 38-year-old tested positive for prosterone and testosterone. Jesus. 38. Jesus. Um, I'm only reporting on this because she's American. There were some other players that I also didn't really know from other countries. Um, well, girl, I don't know what to tell you. Nope, um, what the heck? Mm, Did it say how long her suspension is? No, it just said provisionally suspended. I don't. There might have. This was a couple of weeks ago, and I didn't look again. <laughs> so, um, yeah, they might have updated it. I don't know. Wow. Yeah. Marin Chilich on our what third hours press release so far uh, posted on Instagram saying he had he his doctors have confirmed that he will not need surgery for his knee. He stated that he has been dealing with a recurring knee injury for a year and a half, but rehab was successful this time around. He'll miss Davis Cup, which he did, but players, but plans to be ready at the start of 2020. So this explains, I guess, a lot of his results over the last year and a half because they were mostly dismal. dismal. Yeah, so I didn't know, but that explains a lot. Yeah, I thought he was just, you know, falling off like they Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, good luck to him at the start of next year. He's somebody who actually can play very good tennis when he's at his best. We've seen it. So Amanda Anasimova has signed a new deal with Nike, reportedly worth in the Maria Sharapova neighborhood, quote unquote. Congratulations to her. Take a spot, sis. We love it. 
<laughs> for real. We yeah. love it. Because that, that whole uh, Nike contract is up at the end of this year anyway. <laughs> Take her spot. Uh, congratulations to her. I hope um I hope Amanda has a good uh year next year. I hope she can build on what she started this year and yeah, keep absolutely. climbing. Yeah. Gonna have some points to defend at the majors, but hopefully she can do some good things in between. Yeah, what she got I think uh, round of sixteen in Australia, right? Yeah. And uh semifinals in Paris. Correct. So she gotta be on it as soon yeah. as the year starts, basically. She doesn't seem like the type to be boggled down by press or anything, though, so hopefully that's true. I mean, a lot of these girls seem like they, they, should, they wouldn't have been. Like, who would have thought Muguruza would fall to the depths that she has? My God. Speaking <laughs> of, you had some news about her, right? Oh, yeah. She, uh, she's back with Conchita Martinez for next year. So um, I'm assuming this time it's not uh, like a testing temporary thing. They'll be working together throughout next year, you know, as, as, at least as far as we can tell. You know, sometimes these girls like to drop a coach in the middle of the season. But, you know, I, th- I think they'll um, I think they'll work well together. They, she coached her to that Wimbledon title. Exactly. I don't um, I don't understand why they ever broke up. Right. I mean, but, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes, you know. Muguruza doesn't seem she she doesn't seem to be the player she used to be, but maybe which is terrible because she's still so young. But um, maybe uh, maybe Conchita can you know wake her up and get her back to the top, Mm. at least near Mm. near near the top. I really thought she was gonna be that bitch. I really did. I really really did. A lot of people did. Where um, is she in the rankings right now, anyway? Ooh. Muguruza, ooh. 35. Mm, it's not as bad as I thought. Mm-mm-mm. Congratulations to Kim and Andy on their new baby. Yes, I read that it was a boy. This is their third child? Yes, their third child. I have to remind myself that it's three because I thought it was two. I missed I- that one in the middle. No, I missed that one in the middle as well. <laughs> and, but it was right around the time Serena had Olympia, so I think that's why. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Oh my goodness, Andy has a um documentary coming out on Amazon Prime over it's gonna be on Amazon Prime in the yes! UK. I'm not sure. Oh God, I'm not sure how this. we're I'm not sure how we're gonna be able to watch it here. Um, but it's called uh, Re- resurfacing, I think. And um, it's documenting his time through, you know, his uh, hip injury and his recovery mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff and his comeback. And it looks very good. I watched the trailer today, and I really want to watch it. Well, I know how you and I are going to watch it. I don't know how everybody else is going to watch it. We have our ways. <laughs> I don't know how everybody else is going to do it. I'm going to watch this shit. I heard, I saw that. I saw that a couple of weeks ago, and I was like, oh my god. I definitely need to see it. Um, if I can't find it the way I need to find it, then I will be um, accosting him on social media until they find a way to make it available to U.S. fans. Exactly. Um, you wanted to talk about the Bryan brothers? I don't. Oh, just a quick, just a quick mention that uh, they announced that 2020 is going to be their final season. Uh, they'll be playing. Um, 
through the U.S. Open. So I guess the the U.S. Open will be the last tournament. So they don't plan on playing, trying to go to Asia or play the tour finals. They qualified for the tour finals this year actually and skipped it. But um, yeah, I guess uh, you know, good luck to them. Hope they mm. ho- hope they hope they win something notable in their final season. You know. Would be nice for them. Would be <laughs> would be nice for them to go out with something in their hands. Mm. Um, I just don't care. I don't see the point in announcing a retirement for twenty 2020 twenty and twenty nineteen, and um, they got a whole nother year to play. And I really don't care about what they do while they're playing, so. Mm. Uh, We'll be saying goodbye to several tennis professionals in a competitive capacity as this season closes. Um, Former world number four, Sibokova is retiring from the tour, as well as Nico Almagro, Mikhail Yuzny, Marcos Bagdadis, David Ferrer, which we knew about, and uh, Tomas Burdich, um, all retiring on the ATP side. Of course, we discussed Lucy Safarova as well earlier this year when she played her last match on the clay. There's quite a few players. Yeah. Um, None of none of whom will change the uh, change the sport. No, that's coming next year. Sadly, yeah. Twenty 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 is a the the face. I I think the face of tennis is going to look very different come twenty twenty one. Literally. Um. But yeah, that's yeah. I don't know. That was I knew Marcos was gonna retire anyway, and then of course um, we kind of knew about uh, Tomas because I remember Darren Cahill saying like I'm pretty sure it was like in Australia this year. He was like, Tomas is not good. His back is not good. He's gonna retire. I was like, yeah. oh, okay, well. But yeah, good luck to all of them in their future endeavors. Um, I'm sure we'll see at least one of them back in some capacity, just not competitively. <clears throat> okay, so uh, Margaret Court has stated that she will boycott the Australian Open if she is not honored like Rod Laver. Uh Apparently, it's the 50th anniversary of one of her many irrelevant accomplishments or something. I, honestly, all I have to say is, Margaret, unlike what you did during your tennis career, bitch, follow through, okay? Um, like, obviously, it would be fun to see your turkey neck shake with envy when Serena eclipses the only claim left to relevance that you have. But I don't care that much. Okay, you're welcome to go and stay gone. Your records will soon follow behind you. I don't... Who cares? I don't... Uh. I, I hope I hope they don't give in and give her anything. Just let her old ass stay home. You know, thumping her Bible, doing whatever she's doing. What they should do is remove her name off of that stadium. That's what they should do. Remove her name off of that arena. Yeah, do that. Really get her gone. Really get her riled up. Get that turkey neck shaking. <laughs> oh, she be in a blind rage. And she's talking about how she thinks all of this stuff that she's done personally shouldn't, you know, affect how she's uh, how she's treated as a tennis legend. Well, girl, 
Maybe you should have thought about that before you opened your trap to say all this horrible, horrible stuff that you said about pretty much everybody. For real. Um, we'd also like to take a moment to acknowledge uh, Roberto Bautista Agut, who just lost his father. Um, RBA had just lost his mother roughly a year and a half ago, so um, it's surely a very rough time, and we'd like to send prayers and positivity his way. This man still showed up at Davis Cup and actually competed. Mm-hmm. So, wow. Um, he won. Yeah. I mean, that's it's absolutely crazy. Um, yeah. But, yeah, Spain did win um, with this new format for Davis Cup. Uh, it was it was so – I tried, I was trying to follow along a little bit. I didn't get to watch uh, any of it, but I tried to follow along, and it was – so confusing. <laughs> there was just so much going on. I it was, was so, so confused. Because there was like, what, 16 teams or something like that? Yeah, it was just And it was much. like a round-robin, like round-robin format. It was it was weird. Like, it was weird. Round-robin is already confusing. And then you throw yeah. in 16 different teams of people playing, what, it was like a best of three series, I guess, like two singles matches and a doubles match. Yeah. In each, you know, tie or whatever. It was, it was a lot. I, but, um... um... I had, you know, I had actually forgotten for a little while about the new format, so I kept seeing, like, players posting, like, team pictures and stuff on social media, and I was like, why? There's, like, that's more than two teams. Like, what's going on? I was very confused, and then I remember that it was the new format. I didn't watch any of it. Um, my tennis season basically ended in September, so... Uh, all this other stuff has just been like extra credit and I just didn't need Davis Cup on my grade. Um, I watched, I watched some highlights of the matches and stuff like that. Um, they, a lot of them actually played very well, especially Canada and Spain. They were, they Mm. were playing very, very well. Um, but uh, I think I think I like this new format, even though it was throwing me off and I was a little confused by the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I like this better than having them, you know, play all these random ties and all this kind of stuff throughout the year and go to all these different random places. And it's just it's a lot. And um, they're talking uh, Djokovic and Nadal actually kind of proposed the idea of condensing Davis Cup into one two week event. Because this, with the way this was set up this year, they played a lot of tennis in this short a few days, you know, yeah, short amount of time, and yeah. they were like getting to bed at like three, four o'clock in the morning each time, each mm. night. And uh, Djokovic and Nadal, I guess, uh, suggested the idea of putting it, combining it into like a one, two week event, like after the U.S. Open in September, <laughs> which I think is a great idea. And um, the ITF addressed it, and they're talking about. You know, talking talking with the ATP about uh, combining Davis Cup and the ATP Cup because they're basically the same event, and it doesn't really make sense to have two of the same thing clogging mm-hmm. up the calendar. Mm-hmm. So, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, at least by the end of next year, they have something in place where they get this figured out because the season is already long as hell. So, this this huge event having it be so late in the year, like it's the end of November, and they just finished Davis Cup, Davis Cup finals. It's ridiculous, right? So, 
hopefully they hopefully they figure it out. September will be a perfect time for it. Yeah, there's a little bit of a delay there, especially on the men's side. Um, I saw the you know the same people bringing up the same old shit, talking about um they miss three out of five at Davis Cup and stuff, but annoying. Yeah, I mean, just like could you could you imagine this? Could you imagine this event being played over best of five? They this these matches are best of three. Dang. They weren't they were getting to bed until they were getting to bed at three four a.m. Like if they were playing best of five matches and all of this, Jesus Christ! I these people do not care. I guarantee you the, the players the players that were there <laughs> wouldn't have been there. They would no. not have been there. No, um, it's just not at all feasible. I don't. I I think a lot of these people that say stuff like that are just being selfish and they're not really thinking things through. Um, I mean, it's literally Thanksgiving week and um, these players are going to have like a week off and then start training for the 2020 season. Okay, could you handle that year after year after year, decade after decade? I don't think so. And that's the problem. Like, you don't, they're not thinking in terms of, oh my God, like, preservation of all these top athletes that they want to see so bad all the time. They're not, they're not thinking in those terms. They're thinking, um, I, I don't know, like, they're thinking about their childhood or something and reminiscing, like, nostalgia. That's what has that has them in the grips is nostalgia instead of and you think about and then you think about if you want to think about nostalgia think about the players you were watching when you were a child and they were playing three out of five where are those players do they look good or are they having surgeries did they retire at 29 or did they retire at 39 think about all that stuff exactly seriously and that's like that is that is one of the biggest reasons players are lasting as long as they are now like Roger Federer is like 38 years old. Exactly. If he was playing, if he was, if all of these tournaments were still best of five, then he, I don't think he would still be around. Rafa no. definitely wouldn't still be around. Oh, like, God, no. Like the Masters events, you know, the Masters finals and stuff used to be best of five. The ATB finals used to be best of five. Like all of that stuff being shortened to best of three has helped extend these players' career. And I don't know why people think that tennis needs to be some big, gladiatorial sport like where you have to see who you know who collapses first on court yeah no it doesn't need to be that you can still have great great matches and very entertaining and high drama matches in best of three and this year has really proven that i really do think so yep and i mean even if you think about like think about the olympics the last couple olympics in the the seriously great matches that we've had at the last two Olympic events on the men's side and they were best of three. You know? Yeah. I mean, or best of two out of three. I mean, it's... I don't know. The proof is there. I don't know what people's problem is. Um, <clears throat> okay. This is where I get long-winded. <laughs> um... Tennis Magazine's latest issue includes a rather elaborate, albeit stupid, decade and review section. Um, the first section is entitled Aces and Faults, said to be the highs and lows of the decade. 
This section included a mark of the first time no American men were ranked in the top 10 in 2010. Nalbandian kicking that line judge in 2012. Serena losing to Rosano and beginning her partnership with Moratoglu in 2012. Bernie Tomich's father being arrested in 2013. Cornet's wins over Serena in 2014. Marcus Willis managing to reach the main draw at Wimbledon and win one round. Polanski completing the Lucky Loser Slam in 2018. Bitch, what is that? Um, and even Federer switching from Nike to Uniqlo. Okay. It somehow left out both Serena and Novak winning four majors in a row. Andy Murray winning his second consecutive gold medal in 2016. Or Venus and Serena winning multiple goals in 2012. Or the doper getting caught doping in 2016. How do you mention <laughs> how do you mention Donald Young snapping a 17 match losing streak in 2012? But leave all those things out, okay? They even left out Serena winning Australia without dropping a set while being pregnant. Not a big deal, right? Okay. Um I don't have issues with the top 10 matches of the decade listed for the men, mostly because I don't care. Um, although I don't think that this year's Wimbledon final should rank as number one. Um, the quality just doesn't give that. Um, however, this women's list, bitch, okay. Number 10, they have Kvitova defeating Kerber, the 2014 Fed Cup final. Do you remember that? I do not. Okay, I don't either. Um, number nine is Osaka defeating Kvitova at this year's Australian. I put hashtag nope by that. <clears throat> With that Australian Open final, I mean, I know it was close and everything, but neither of them played anywhere near their best. So let's stop lying. Okay. Number eight, they have Skiavoni defeating Kuznetsova at the 2011 Australian Open. Yes, ma'am, on that one. That one should be on the list and it probably should be higher. Number seven, they have Azarenka defeating Kerber at the 2012 WTA Finals. Just as I thought, moving on. Number six, <laughs> Holop defeating Kerber at the 2018 Australian Open in the semifinals. I will give them that one. That was cute. It was a good match. Yeah, that was that was that was fantastic. Actually, yeah, I, I enjoyed that one a lot. Yeah. The last, those last couple of rounds at the Australian Open in 2018 were good. They were good. Yeah. Um, number five, they have the Doper defeating Holop at the 2014 French Open. Um, <clears throat> don't think Doper no. should be anywhere on this list. Because <laughs> how doped up was she during that final? Let's think about it. Okay. Um... Number four, they have Ostapenko defeating Olive in 2017. <laughs> uh, uh, um, uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe not number four, though. But it was funny. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. Number three, they have Kvitova defeating Venus 2014 Wimbledon. That hurts. It hurts like a motherfucker, but that match was superb. I got to give it to him. That was good. Like, yeah, I I remember that match so vividly, and I don't. I guess maybe it's the fact that I always liked Kvitova that I can still you know think about that match and not want to like kill myself. 
Mm-hmm. But uh, it was it was it was such great tennis, and I was I was. I was blown away. Like I think I I think that's still that might be my number one match of the decade. It was I mean, they were playing uh superior first strike tennis the whole time. Seriously. It was, like it was that, very high that level. was that was that was classic grass court tennis right there. It was Just what, two breaks everywhere. to serve. Two breaks to serve match. in that whole match. Yeah. Yeah, they really they really played. Venus could have won that title. She definitely could have. She was she was the only person that won a set off Kvitova that year, I think. The whole time. Kvitova just stormed that year. Um, number two, they have Serena defeating Azarenka 2015 Wimbledon quarterfinals. This one I also agree with. Mm-hmm. That was very, very high level. The ball striking was great. Um, the problems I have. No mention of the 2016 AO. Uh, Australian Open quarterfinals, Kerber and Azarenka. No mention of the 2017 French Open final with Holland and Stevens. No 2012 U.S. Open final, Serena and Azarenka. Uh, no 2010 Australian Open second round, Ina Dementieva. Zero matches from Serena's London Olympics, and those were off the top of my head while I was taking notes. Um, all in all, it's okay, right? But the absolute fucking worst of it all is naming the 2015 U.S. Open semifinals with Vinci defeating Serena as the top women's match of the decade. Of the whole decade? It's not even the best match of that tournament that year. I, I, <laughs> that, I was, I was, my mind was, I was completely blown. Like when I saw that, listen there. That match was like that. What that was not high quality tennis. No, <laughs> like at all. Serena, Serena could barely move out there. Her legs were so heavy. It was like the you could see the nerves crushing her through that entire match. And I mean, Vinci. She, I guess you know, Vinci stayed with her in that match. That's how. That's how she got the win. But. To say that is the best match of the past ten years, I, I just I I, I don't understand it. I just, I just don't. Donnell, they hate Serena. That's what that is. That's what that is. Okay, because biggest upset, you're damn right. Okay, I'll yes. give you that one. I even give you game changer because if Serena wins that match, she probably wins the tournament and then probably doesn't lose 2016 Australia. And now suddenly we're discussing a 10 slam winning streak instead of four. So I'll give you that. Mm -hmm. But the match of the decade, okay, I'm going to give you all a quote. To quote Dolomite, you rat soup eating motherfuckers. Y'all really fucking tried it with this. And... You thought placing Serena as the top player of the decade would even this bullshit out. No, it doesn't. Because you had no choice in the latter. Okay? She won 12 slams in this decade. Who the fuck else is even in the running? Okay? It doesn't even it out. Nope. Y'all on some bullshit with this, and I'm not letting it slide. Um, you know, but it's whatever. I get that magazine for free. So, um, you know, whatever. I The match of the decade. With with all the bullshit that went on in that round, it just wasn't good. Anything anything after Wimbledon that year from Serena was not 
super duper high quality because she was just boggled down by nerves and the weight of expectation and pressure. So I don't know why mm-hmm. we're lying like this. I mean, this is this is a bold-faced lie right here to put this as the number one match of the entire decade, a whole 10 years. And this is the one that comes to your mind. Yeah, mm. it's... Mm. They were smoking something, making that less. Mm, and it wasn't the good stuff either. Lord. Okay, I'm over here having Tabusa. My blood pressure's up. Okay. Huh, you got any other news? Uh, No, I think we covered it all. I hope so, because... <laughs> Uh, okay. Um, it's been a while since we had our last episode, so there are a lot of results from the fall season to go through. Um, I'm going to do the women's side first because, um, I don't know, it's just easier that way. They've been done longer. Um, on the women's side, you had... Coco Goff winning Lance. She beat Burton's Petco and Ostapenko. So that was cute. Um, Tianjin was won by Rebecca Peterson. Uh, Belinda Bencich won Moscow. Ostapenko won Luxembourg. Um, Donnell's favorite player, Sabalenka, won Zuhai. Ugh. <laughs> she beat Sakari and Mertens. Then Mukova and Burton's. Burns ain't done shit since the clay girl. What's wrong with you? A um, shame, really. A whole shame. Uh, people, th- people thought she was gonna make moves, but uh, nah. Mm-mm, she don't she have is. it, I guess. She started moving backwards. Exactly. Um, and then year in world number one, Ashley Barty won the year in championships. Um, she defeated Benchich, um, and Kavitova. Lost to Burtons, who was an <laughs> alternate so this is ridiculous um and then defeated Pliskova and Zvitolina I really thought Zvitolina was about to defend that title because that court I did too they played on some sort of uh beach sand surface as I understand it and um I really thought Zvitolina I was like oh girl she's gonna defend her little title that's good yeah those girls were banged up too it was about uh three retirements in round robin at the I WT mean, finals this year. Um they played they played some good matches, I guess, you know, for what it was. And uh but those courts same. pretty much all the all the girls were, were saying the courts were like so slow and it's not not ideal conditions for the last event of the season. When you have to hit five, six, seven, nine, twelve, fifteen winners to win a point, that's just too much. Especially at the end of the year. I don't know why they keep making these uh Year in championship courts slow. Um, the last fast court that I remember was about ten years ago when they were playing in Doha. That was that was an acceptable surface. Everything since has been slow with molasses, and I do not understand it. And I that's probably why Serena doesn't go anymore. Like who wants to do that? Right. Seriously, who's trying to grind it out on these slow ass courts at the end of the year like this? Mm-mm, Nobody. Maybe. Your knees still be hurt when you get to Australia. Nobody got time for that. 
Um, then Fed Cup at the end of the year was won by France. Uh, Ladinovich defeated Tom Lianovich. And then Barty Bagels Garcia. Ooh. She, it was a double bagel. Double bagel. <laughs> You're right. Yes. Um, it's very, very ugly. Um, then Ladinovich defeats Barty. <laughs> Oh, what a mess. <laughs> and then Tom Nanovich defeats Parmentier. So now it's 2-2. And Ladinovich and Garcia partner together to beat Barty and Stozer, which uh, is a surprisingly good win, I think. Yeah. Um, I know, you know, Ladinovich can be on her double shit sometimes, but uh, I didn't know that Garcia could play doubles, so good on them. Very interesting. Close right down to the wire. Um, I don't... I'm, I, no shade, but I feel some type of way about Ashley Barty, you're ending the world number one. Like, I don't... No, so do I. Because I'm just like... I I don't understand it. Like, I mean, I know she, she won the French Open this year. She also won Miami. But I don't even understand those wins. Like... How? Where did this come from? <laughs> I'm trying to think of other results that would add up to her being number one. Like, did everybody else just play that bad? I mean, basically. Like, Osaka, Osaka won Australia. And then she disappeared. Like, she, she was number one for a while, you know, throughout the year. Then she didn't win anything until the fall. <clears throat> I don't know, man. I don't know. It's... But, you know, good for her. I... Yeah, like, you know, likely to be the number one seed going into her home slam. That's a big deal right there. That is yeah. a big deal. Especially for Australia. When's the last time they had that Leighton Hewitt? <laughs> Woo! God, that was a long time ago. A long-ass time. That's 20 years. Jesus. 20 years. You said 20 years, and then I immediately thought, like, 1992. No. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't 20 years ago. Not anymore. <laughs> no. Jesus. Yeah. Oh, God. We go. We didn't go. Um, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> um... <laughs> Whew. Moving over to the men's side of things. Uh, Shanghai, my boy Medvedev won Shanghai. He beat Tsitsipas and Zverev on the way to that title. Mm -hmm. uh, Andre Rublev won Moscow. Sir Andrew motherfucking Murray won Antwerp, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> my man came through with a title. I was so happy. I mean, he struggled to get there, but hell, three consecutive three setters, man. Yeah, he, um, he he got through that. Yeah, I mean, he fought his way through. I was so happy. Shapo um, won Stockholm. Uh, Federer won his 59th Basel title. Basel, sorry. <laughs> Basel. <laughs> yeah, whatever. It yeah, might as well be. Um, team won Vienna, which was cool because that's his little home tournament. So he did both he won like both of the home events in in 
uh, Austria this year, I think, because it was one on the clay, too. Good for him. Um, Djokovic won Paris, defeating Tsitsipas, which was Shanghai revenge because Tsitsipas had beaten him in Shanghai, and then um, defeating Grigor and Shapo to win that title. Milan, Yannick Sinner. Uh, if you've been paying attention this fall, you know who Yannick Sinner is. Uh, came through and won Milan. He lost to Umber, defeated Emer and Tiafo. <sighs> Lord. And then Just... beat uh, Kazmanovic and Damonar. Um, real quick. Francis, what the fuck are you doing, B? I, I, was, telling, I was telling somebody the other day... Um, I think Tiafo is just going to be the proverbial 35 to 25 player. And I, um, it seems like he's fine with that. Cause, um, you know, just when you think he's going to get something going, he doesn't. So I'm done. You know, if it happened, if it happens for him, fantastic. If it doesn't, I ain't going to sweat it. And I, I know I've probably said this on the show before, but to me, I, well, first of all, I can't watch him because he gets on my damn nerves watching him play. I root for him, but I can't watch him. And it's because, to me, it looks like he's still playing junior tennis. Mm-hmm. He does not... His his tennis has not matured in any sort of way over the last few years. And the thing is, like, we also have to keep in mind that this dude is still 21 years old. So he's still very, very young. And at some point, he could get it together. I would like to see it happen now. I'm tired of waiting. I feel like we've been waiting long enough. But at the same time, we have to give him that, that he is still very, very young. Um, True. But there are other players who are younger, and they're starting to pass him by, so he needs to get his shit together. Uh, it's just... Uh, you know, and I know he's enjoying his tennis and stuff because you look at where he came from, and I'm sure he's happy to even just be on the tour and mm-hmm. in the top 50 and all of that stuff. He's got um, a permanent smile on his face at all times. Um, but I just didn't think we were shooting for me- mediocrity here. I thought that he was going to... Uh, put himself in position to do really big things. Um, there is no way that he should be going to Milan and losing to teenagers. At the very least, win that fucking title. Right. So, uh, I don't know. It's time to reassess, figure something else out, uh, maybe some different coaching, or I don't something. Something's got to change. Because this here ain't it. Yeah, we'll see. He, he's defending quarterfinal points in Australia. Trouble! So, uh, he better get it together. Trouble, but, trouble, um, trouble. Congratulations to Yannick Center. Um, the, yeah. next gen, the, the, the next-gen ATP Finals uh, uh-huh. trophy kind of comes with some weight to it now because the last two champions both made the semifinals at the Australian Open the following year. Woo. So, He's I'll be um, I'll be watching I'll be watching Center in Australia to see if, you know, he can keep that little trend going. That's interesting. Um, well, then we got to the World Tour Finals, which the the group names were weird this year. Did you notice that? Yes, I did. So they had group Andre Agassi and group Bjorn Borg, who retired before Agassi was even a professional. <laughs> 
It was it was odd. Hmm. Um, group Agassi was number one Rafa, number four Medvedev, number six Tsitsipas, and number seven Zverev. And then of course Group Bjorn Borg was number two Djokovic, three Federer, five Team, and eight Berrettini. Uh, these groups did not go the way I thought they were going to go. I thought for sure Novak had this title in the bag already. Um, turns out he did not. No one went better than two and one the whole tournament, and and round robin. No one, no one was undefeated. Uh, I don't know. Some players are good, and some players did not. I was really hoping Berrettini was going to do better, but uh, oop, he kind of got shut out a little bit. No, I, Although I he did he was, win a match. I knew he was going to get dragged. Um, I didn't expect Fed to come out of a group with Djokovic, but he did it. Um, I actually thought from the first round robin match, I, I predicted that Dominic Team was going to win the tournament. So I fell just short on that one. Um, but that dude is somehow playing some good hardcore tennis these days. He's really made some good changes. Um, yeah, he's definitely definitely improved his hardcore game. Big time. So, I figured he was going to win, but he got really close. Um, Rafa, I did not know what to expect from Rafa, really, coming in. but Yeah, he was carrying a little bit of an injury. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he said he was fine going, you know, getting there. And it seemed like he was fine. He played all his matches. And you know, then he went, to, went to Davis Cup and did what he had to do. Right. So, you know, he's doing all right. Um, in the end, Steph Tsitsipas won this title. Yes. Um, Zverev did well to make it back to the semis, I thought. I didn't expect that from him. He was lucky to even be in this tournament, to be No, for real. He, uh, he he had to fight basically to the last second to qualify, and then he got here and he did very well. Yeah, it was good to see. Yes, he did very well, and I was super impressed with uh, Sisyphus. Super impressed because I mean he beat the brakes off his Zverev. He finally got that win over Medvedev, mm-hmm. and he pushed Rafa <coughs> to three sets, and you know they played damn near three hours. It was a very high quality match. It was. It was. It was very, very good. And then he got to the semis, and he got another win over Federer. And uh, yes, yeah, second or third this year. Second, second win. Okay. Um, I think their head to head is two and two now. This was their fourth time playing this year, I believe. Um, and he beat him in the final, third set tiebreaker. That was a good match. Roger, Roger looked. All of 38 for parts of this tournament. I mean, because you look at the way he beat the brakes off of Novak. And then Mm -hmm. to come back the next day and it's like a different player, you know? Yeah, this um, this tournament seems to belong to the younger guys now. It does. I think think the older guys are getting tired. Yeah, it's not entirely surprising. Yeah. But um, you know, Sitsipas he won this, and Sitsipas he actually won the next gen finals last year. So, right. You know, he wins the next gen finals in 2018, then wins the ATP finals in 2019 in his debut. 
It's just a that's a huge and very quick rise. Yep. For him. It's really and crazy. It was, it, was, it was steady, which I'm very I'm very glad about because, you know, he started, you know, climbing at the like in the summer of last year, you know, during that run in Canada. And then he wins the the AT, the next gen finals, makes the semis in Australia, and you know, kinda floats a little bit throughout the throughout the middle of the year that played that fantastic match with uh Stan in Paris. And um I think with like I think with each loss he's learned a lot and has improved. And at all that all brought him to to here. Last man standing. I wonder if Patrick is already like planning the documentary, you know? <laughs> Is he writing the book already? Like, what is he doing? What is he up to? Because you know it's coming. Um, I'll be very interest, interested to see how uh, Steph does next year. Especially, you know, he has those semifinal points to defend in Australia, so. Yeah, he'll right away. To, he'll, need to hit, he'll need to hit the ground running. And, um, yeah, I think, I think next year will be his first year, like, playing with some, like, real, like, pressure on him to, like, defend right. anything. So... We'll see how that goes. I um, well, he won't win Australia, but he he'll do very well. I think he's not. Yeah, I think it. so. Uh, there's only two options for winners in Australia, so. <clears throat> Should we do the power rankings? Sure. Well, I guess I'm doing power. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I did not do any power rankings for the women because, you know, as we noticed from the list that I read, um, a different lady won every single tournament at the end of this year. So there is no reason to do power rankings for them because nobody has any power again. (laughs) Um, on the men's side... I have Steph Sitsipas at number one. Right. Uh, two and one in round robin, beating Fed and team to win the title. Um, and he argue, arguably played the matches of the tournament. You have that match with Rafa. Um, you know, you have some other ones. He played He played some really good matches, some really long matches um, <clears throat> during this tournament. So... I got to give it to him. Um, number two, I have team. Also two and one around Robin. Uh, a win over Novak and he beats Zverev. He looked pretty good this tournament and um, low-key maybe should have won that final. But even though he didn't, he still played well. Uh, Federer at number three. Two and one around Robin, of course. He had a... a Great win over Novak, which was his first win over him since, like, 2015, I think they said. Yeah, since 2015, and I didn't even realize that until, you know, the match was over. That's a crazy long time. I mean, well, okay, so then we have to take into account that 2016, um, you know, he took all that time off. Mm-hmm. So, really, it's more like three years, I guess, instead of four, but even still, that's still a, a crazy, time, crazy yeah. long time. Especially for two guys who have both, you know, both been at the top of tennis for that entire time. For that entire span, they've both been, you know, 
and they play so often. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's kind of crazy. Um, number four, I actually have Rafa. Um, he beat Steph. Like, again, like we said, one of the matches of the tournament. And he was involved in two other really great matches um, with Medvedev. And I don't know why I have that there. Anyway, uh, but he was involved in some great matches, too, this tournament. He competed well. It might have been a little scratchy on his tennis, but competed well. And then, like we said, he went to Davis Cup and took care of business. So, uh, good on him right at the end of the year. And then number five, I have Novak, and that's just filler. So, there's my five. Yeah, can't argue with it. Um, Okay, so uh, another couple of new segments to add here at the end. Um, These were mostly Donnell's idea. (laughs) Uh, so he was like we should do rivalries of the decade and then while I was taking my notes I accidentally did matches of the decade so then I had to do both Um, it's going to be interesting comparing lists you want to go first Uh, for rivalry matches we'll do rivalry alright hold on let me pull that up matches matches here we go. Okay, my matches are in no particular order. I just, mm. you know, listed some great matches that I could remember off the top of my head. Uh, we got, of course, we, we talked about this earlier, Venus versus Kvitova, Wimbledon 2014. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kvitova won that one 5-7, 7-6, 7-5. Super incredible tennis from start to finish that match. Uh, I got Venus, we talked about this one too, or not, not Venus, but uh, Serena defeating Vika at Wimbledon in 2015, mm-hmm. and also Serena defeating Vika at in the U.S. Open final in 2012, six two two six seven five. I remember that match so clearly. That uh, that that comeback in the final set, she thinks she was down three five. I can watch that match anytime, anytime. And I, I'm, mind you, I still like get a little bit nervous while watching mm-hmm. that match. Even mm-hmm. I know how it plays out, it's just like. I can't believe she, I can't believe she did it. Uh, I also from the U.S. Open 2012. I have uh, Vika defeating Maria in the semis. Mm-hmm. Okay. That I almost forgot about that match, but that that's a that's like the one match between those two that I can still sit and like watch highlights of and enjoy because they were <laughs> they they were they were balling. They were. Uh, I have Halep over Kerber at the Australian Open in uh, 2018. Mm-hmm. Nine seven in the third, that match was insane. That that might be my favorite non Williams match of like at least the past like five years. Hmm. It was a uh, it was very good. I was I was very impressed with the way those ladies pulled it together at the end of that tournament and you know produced that 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 good tennis. Uh, from Wimbledon two thousand eleven, I have Venus over Date Crumb. Eight six in the third. You know, in retrospect, I can look at it and appreciate it, but during that match, I was losing my mind. I was so mad because <laughs> Dante Crumb was really just she was sticking she was sticking with Venus in a way that I just thought she shouldn't have been hitting winners everywhere. It was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> she was pissing me off. 
Uh, of course, they have Skiavone over Kuznetsova at the Australian Open in 2011, 16-14 in the final set. Uh, I have Venus over Kvitova at the U.S. Open in 2017, 7-6 in the third, that one. And I have Kanta over Vekic at Wimbledon 2017, 10-8 in the third. That match was fantastic. And I can't stand Joe Kanta. Can't stand him. Mm-hmm. I was cheering for Vekic so hard in that match. But that was, uh, that was, it was fantastic. I was glad I actually sat and watched that one because I wasn't going to. But yeah, those are my women's matches of the decade. Okay. We have some of that match. <clears throat> okay, so also minor in no particular order. I also did not write down scores. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Um, I have the 2012 Olympics final, and I know it's a blowout. I don't care. Um, that shit was on the world stage. Everybody saw it. Everybody remembers it. Okay. Um, boom. Huge. Yeah. Um, it's It's got to be up there, you know. Uh, I have 2016 Wimbledon round three, Venus over Kasakina. That crazy ass match that took a couple of days and they were on and off the court and Oh yeah. All the that. rain and everything. I forgot about yeah. that. It started raining like as soon as Venus got match points, she couldn't believe it. Right. Um, I have the twenty sixteen Olympics final Puig over Kerber. Um I just put this down because once again, girl Monica, thank you so much. <laughs> um I, you know, even if you never win anything again for the rest of your career, girl, you did what you had to do that day, and we appreciate it so much. No, for real. Um, twenty fifteen Wimbledon quarterfinals, Serena over Azarenka. We talked about that one earlier. Two thousand eleven Wimbledon round two, Venus over Date Crum. Yep. Two thousand eleven Australian Open round four, Skiavone over Kuznetsova. 2012 U.S. Open Finals, Serena over Azarenka. 2018 Australian Open Semifinals, Holop defeating Kerber. So we have all those in common. Uh, 2017 French Open Final, Holop over Stevens. I really enjoyed that match. I thought they played well. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't I don't watch a lot of finals that don't have a Williams in them, but I watched that when they played well. Yeah, I watched uh, that one too. That was good. 2014 French Open Round 3, Kuznetsova over Kvitova. Kvitova, That yes. shit was crazy. Oh my goodness, that was a good match. Them girls, the striking that ball, Kuznetsova was defending for her life, as usually she only does against the Williams, but that day she decided that she was going to do it against Petra. She wasn't going to lose to Petra that day. Nope. That was, a, that was a great match. It was very impressive. And then, of course, 2014, moving around three, Kvitova over Venus. Um, I also have some honorable mentions I cheated. Uh, 2012 Australian Open semifinal, Azarenka defeating Kleisters. A oh, very yeah. Good match. Um, yeah, that was good. Yeah. 2012 Olympic semifinal, Serena defeating Azarenka. So everybody always talks about the final over the doper. But uh, Serena, I thought, actually played better in the semifinal versus Azarenka, who was mm-hmm. number one in the world at the time. So that was just as big a deal, even though people didn't think it was. Uh, 2013 French Open semifinals, Serena defeating Irani. Uh, one of the best matches <laughs> ever played, ever. I don't care if it's a blowout. We have to put it down. It's one of the best matches 
ever in the history of this sport. Point blank and the period. Okay? Yeah, she did that. Um, and then, of course, uh, my last honorable mention is the 2010 Australian Open Round 2 in a defeating Dementia. But it was a straight sets match, but it was close, and them girls were striking that ball. Okay. Mm-hmm. So those were high quality, and I had to put them down as well. Okay, I got. I have two more that I overlooked on my list. Uh, the 2015 Australian Open final, Serena over Sharapova. Mm. Straight sets. I almost put that one down it, too. It was fantastic. Yeah, it was really good. It was fantastic. Seriously, like I can't stand that crackhead, but I, I give it to her. She was balling she that night. Yeah, still, she still lost in straight sets. Mm-hmm. Still lost in straight sets. <laughs> she, was, she was. It was lights out. Uh, and also. So Wozniacki over Sharapova at the U.S. Open in 2014. Yeah, I wanted to put that one down so bad. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to put that one down. Ooh, that one, oh. that was a ride right there. That was fun. What a moment. That was a lot what of a fun. moment. Oh. I enjoyed that one very much. <laughs> okay, on to the men's side. Lord, this men's list. Chile. <laughs> Yeah, you want to go first? Okay. Um, I have the 2012 Australian Open final Novak over Rafa. That was high quality. Rafa should have won. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a very high quality five-setter. Uh, 2013 Australian Open round four, Novak defeating Stan. Them dudes was hitting that day. Um, it's also a really, really good match. 2013 French Open semifinals, Rafa over Novak. Uh, the 2013 Wimbledon final, Murray over Novak. Now, this one, not really so much based on quality, but based on importance. You cannot leave out Andy Murray winning Wimbledon for the first time in 70-whatever number it was years at the time. So, um, that was a really huge deal. Um... Not just for this decade, but for the entire sport. 2017, Australian Open final, Federer over Rafa. High quality. Probably one of their only high quality matches in this decade. Uh, um, I wanted Rafa to win that one too, but Fed hit yeah. stride. Mm. 2018, Wimbledon semifinals, Novak over Rafa. High quality shit there. Mm-hmm. 2015 French Open Final Stan over Novak One of my favorite matches Stan When he gets in the mood Will literally hit anybody off the court Especially Novak <laughs> um, You're gonna hate me for this one But I put it down 2012 Wimbledon Round 2 Rosal defeating Rafa Ugh, that was disgusting. <laughs> um, okay, we're going to move on. I'm not going to elaborate. Um, 2011 French Open semifinals, Federer over Novak. That, in my opinion, was the match of that year. Uh, Fed did what he had to do because we would have been talking about a Novak slam that year otherwise. Um, too good God. Um... And then 2017 Australian Open semifinals, Rafa defeating Dimitrov. Either guy could have won that match. It was very, very high quality right to the end. Mm-hmm. 
And then I have two honorable mentions. These are actually both Davis Cup matches. 2016 Davis Cup semifinals, Murray over Delpo. Very, very high quality. And then the 2016 Davis Cup final, Delpo defeating Chilich. Those are two very, 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 very good matches from the dudes. And that's my list. Okay. Uh, we got a few that we got a few that match on this one as well. I have uh, Nadal over Djokovic, French Open 2013 semis. 9-7 mm-hmm. uh, in the fifth, that one. That match was high quality, high drama. It was everything. Uh, I will never forget that net touch. It was yes, what a, a moment. moment to behold. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have uh, Djokovic over Nadal during Open 2012. That match lasted forever, mm-hmm. even though it was on you know quote unquote only seven five in the fifth. Mm-hmm. It uh, was very long, and Rafa definitely should have won that missed forehand in that fifth set. Oh God! I just I replay it, it over and over and over and over. Oh, in my head. it it still haunts me. Um, both those guys like cramping up during a trophy ceremony. They gave them chairs so they could sit down. It was it was insane. They were they were Man. battling it, battling it out very hard that that night. Uh, Djokovic over Nadal, Wimbledon twenty eighteen, ten eight in the fifth. That one high quality. Rafa should have won that as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have uh, Stan over Sitsi Fast French Open twenty nineteen. Mm-hmm. Eight eight six in the fifth. That was that was a fantastic match. I was, of course I was losing my mind for Steph, but you know, I was I was happy for Stan to you know finally pull that out and make it to another slam quarter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have Djokovic over Stan Australian Open twenty thirteen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Twelve ten in the fifth. Uh, Djokovic over Federer Wimbledon twenty fourteen. Nadal over Dimitrov, Australian Open 2017. Uh, and I have Djokovic over Del Potro, Wimbledon 2013. That mm. match was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I was losing my mind for Delpo that day. And he did he did get it done. But it was very high-quality tennis, very high-quality tip set. Uh, then I have Nadal over Delpo, Wimbledon 2018. That match was... Also, very good. Del Potro always finds himself in the conversation. Hopefully, you know, he can come back and get back. You know, every time he's out, he makes it back to the top, you know, top 10. Hopefully, he he's, can do it again. he's been hitting only on clay, but he's been hitting. So, you know, hopefully he, he comes back and he can get back to top form and do what he does best. Um, I have uh, Nisha Corey over Round It, US Open 2014. Um, I think that match is like the latest finish in U.S. Open history. That match was over at like 4 a.m. or something like that. It was very late. Uh, I have Gasquet over Stan Wimbledon 2015. That was 11-9 in the fifth. I think Gas- Gasquet went on to make the semis that year, didn't he? What year was that? 2015, Wimbledon. Pretty sure he made the semis that year. Did? Oh, my God. I don't remember that. And I have uh, Djokovic over Murray, Australian Open, 2012. 7-5 in the fifth. It's a good list. Um, somebody uh, add us on Twitter and tell us how many of those matches did not include the big three. <laughs> That's a shame, really. 
And for the record, we we told ourselves we were only going to do slam slam matches for anybody who says, you know, oh, you missed this Miami match or whatever. Ain't yeah. nobody got time for that. <laughs> ain't nobody got time for that. We ain't going through the the whole decade like that. We're just going to do That's just too match. much. No, we don't. Uh, we have, like, lives and jobs and shit. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I guess on to the rivalries of the decade. I don't have many. No, me either. Um, the men I have, Rafa and Novak. And yep. it's probably my top rivalry of the decade. They've played countless number of times. Um, and the head-to-head is pretty close. It's 28 to 26 in favor of Novak. That's a lot of matches. And most of them in this decade. It's crazy. Um, I also have some other ones. I have Raja Novak because they've played quite a few times in this decade. Most of the matches have gone to Novak, but even still, um, they've played a lot and they've played in quite a few slam finals too, especially in the last like five years or so. Um, I put down Stan and Novak um, only because Stan knows how to beat Novak in important moments. And he's done it a few times. So I wrote that one down. And then I put down Murray Novak because uh, they played a lot, especially in Australia. Again, Novak has come at the top of all three of these last three that I said, but they played a lot. So, But basically just Roth and Novak. That's, that's the rivalry of the decade right there. <sighs> yep. Um, I got for for my men's rivalries I have uh Nadal and Djokovic, of course, and uh Djokovic and Murray. Okay. You know, Djokovic and Murray played God knows how many times this decade. Like most of them I feel like at the damn Australian Open. Mm-hmm. But um yeah, they they, they play some good matches. There's a similar playing style, so sometimes their matches are a little tough to watch. Mm-hmm. But um you know they they played a lot, and I think that's one that's been one of the key rivalries of the um, of the decade. And of course, everything you said about Novak and Rafa. All right, on the women's side, I have Serena Vika. Um, Vika has still only beaten Serena what three or four times? Three times? Four. Four. Yep. Okay. Um, the last time was 2016 and in Wells, but, um, I don't know. She brings good tennis out of Serena. She wakes up Serena's game a lot of times, um, because she's so good off the ground and she doesn't necessarily, um, bring everything that Serena brings, but she throws a lot of what Serena brings back at her. I'll say it that way. Um, and she does it very well. Um. They played some very, very high-quality matches in this decade. Um, And they played quite a lot in, like, that 2011 to 2014 period. They played a lot. Yeah, uh, most of their matches matches came in this decade, for real, because I think they only played four times in the 2000s. 
and the rest of it. Oh eight Australia, oh nine Australia, oh nine Miami, oh nine Wimbledon. Yep, four times. Mm-hmm. Um, I also have Venus Kvitova on here. Um, it's pretty much always going to go three sets when they play. It's probably going to be high quality. Um, and they match up, I think, very well against each other. It's it's good tennis. Um, they haven't played that much, I don't think. But at the same time, when they do play, it's, it's going to be a cracker, you know? Um, and then I put Serena Hollop on here, which is painful to look at. Yeah. But I did it anyway. Um, most of their matches outside of the unmentionable one this year are pretty predictable. It's going to be Serena winning the first set and then, uh, turning into a whole bundle of nerves in the second and letting Simona Hollop hit forehands down the line like she does another coming. And then she loses the second set, and then it's a close third. It's just the way their matches go. Like, uh, it's the same yep. Shit. I got, I have uh, basically same the same rivals, except for I didn't put uh, Serena and Halep. Mm-hmm. Serena and Vika, and Venus and Kvitova. Uh, Venus and Kvitova, that was like that was like the first one that I I wrote down because their matches. Or it's, it's not just that they're three sets; they're quality matches every single time. Right. Like they, they bring out the best in each other for whatever right. reason. But um, yeah, and it's, it's always very entertaining to watch. Their most recent match being this year in Indian Wells, mm-hmm. Venus coming through Woo. six four in the third in that one. My goodness, she had no business winning that match. <laughs> I, I mean, honestly, name a better fighter, name a better competitor. Ooh. But um. Yeah, that's the that's the decade. The twenty tens are over. Damn. That is the decade. We are now in the twenties. The new twenties. Jesus. In my mind, I'm still at that stage where like the up and coming players and I are like the same age. Like I'm a teenager. <laughs> um Yeah. So it's a little bit tough to handle. Wow. Yeah. It's been a very, very interesting decade. Mm-hmm. At least and on I the women's the, side. I think, <laughs> I think the next decade is going to be... Uh, it's going to be one that one to really watch closely. I'm still not sure where the where the women are going and how you know things are going to you know fall into place for them in the next 10 years, but I think uh, for the men, um, Sissy Pass and team, I think that's going to be like the next big head-to-head. I see them playing a lot over the next several years. How old is Dominic? 24 or 25? Uh, I want to say he's 25. Okay. Hmm. Zara will be thrown in that mix too. Eventually, you know, like he'll get it together and start making it deep in these these big events, and I, I think he'll <coughs> he'll get it together. He's still very young, but um, 
yeah, hopefully, hopefully next year he starts better and kind of builds on at least how he ended this year, you know, making the semis at ATP finals. Cause this year has been pretty, pretty, pretty poor from him. I'm interested just to see how they do in, in Medvedev too, in Australia, because, um, I think it's a really good time right now if they can take advantage of it. Novak is not at his healthiest or his best. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, definitely that's, Austra- that's, Australia that's the main be, problem in Australia. So yeah, Australia would be a, a, a perfect time for them to make a, a real move. We'll see. Well, Medvedev was winning the whole thing anyway, so. It's either him or Andy Murray. Andy Murray, wouldn't that be fantastic? No other options are available. I will show out if Andy Murray wins. I'll show you. He deserves, well, I won't say he deserves because he hasn't won one, but I mean, it would be great for him to win an Australian Open title after all these finals he's lost there. Yeah. So, I don't know, we'll see. I would I would like to see him win one more though, at least. Same. And um I have to say I'm a little bitter. You're not gonna like this, but I'm a little bitter about Rafa your ending world number one. Um I am not no lay fam, clearly. But I wanted him to year in number one because I want him to get all those weeks added on. So that way he can very easily pass Rogers tally next year um, for weeks at number one. I mean, it's probably going to happen anyway, mm-hmm. but I just want it to happen sooner rather than later so I can laugh about it. Um, I'm very glad the dollars ended number one. I think this is his fifth, fifth year ending world number one. So um, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to the next few months of tennis and see how uh how they hold up. Cause I mean these these dudes they've been playing, they played all year. Like Rafa just finished his season. Djokovic and Federer burned out in London. It's um it's gonna be an interesting turnaround. They have to feel like their lives are just on a never-ending loop because, I mean, that this is not a break. There's no off-season. There's just, like, they're just going to jump right back into it. It's got to be pretty crazy. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Well, um, it's farewell for us for the... The rest of 2019, like I said, we'll be back in just a few weeks anyway for 2020. <laughs> um, it's literally right around the corner. Um, but, you know, happy Thanksgiving and all that to everybody. Yes, happy holidays. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm ready to go eat. No, for real. Yeah. Um. Be sure, you know, over the holidays to follow us on all of our social media. 
Um, our Twitter is at Hold Your Ponytails. My personal Twitter is at Hey Seti Baby. I'm at I Nels. Um, yeah, tweet us. Let us know what's going on in your lives and and stuff. <laughs> and if you have any <laughs> questions or anything you want to say, feel free. Um, my Twitter is actually unlocked right now for for a limited time only. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, jump on that if you want to follow me. Um, And then, of course, you know, rate and subscribe and definitely review and all that good stuff on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, whatever. We are there. Um, And, you know, thanks for listening and all that stuff. Yeah, I don't know what else to say. Um, thanks for listening. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we'll, we'll see y'all, we'll see y'all in the, in the new year. And, uh, yeah, hopefully we'll have some, some new stuff to bring to you. All right. Until next time. Bye bye. Bye. What did I say? You didn't hear?